Amen. Hey, we're on page 91, and can anybody guess what we're studying? It rhymes with intro to apologetics. Tom, you got it last time. You want to try it again? Give it up for Tom. That's two weeks in a row. Let's do a Salah. No, Salah means you've got to be quiet, Bobby, and focus. You messed it up. Right? You're not getting a piece of gum. Let's move on. Intro to apologetics. Now, you know the theme, what we've been doing, and what we've been covering, just by way of recap, as you turn to page... 91, that's right. Uh, Everything has a beginning. Uh, People are skeptical of God's existence first and foremost, so let's take a look at that. Everything's got a beginning, which implies a beginner, i.e. God. Everything has a design, number two, which implies a designer, i.e. God. Two for two. What about evolution? They say there is no God, and everything's just a cosmic burp, an accident. No, 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 that's not. We went down deep on that thing, 42-week detour, came back and looked at another argument for God's existence. Where did this universal moral law come from? Unless a universal moral law, i.e. God, uh, did it, put it in us because we're created in his image spiritually and morally uh, as Christians. Okay, well, what about the Bible? That's what they'll finally get. Okay, maybe God's real, but how do you know this book isn't whooped by man? And uh, whooped up by man and full of errors. Well, it's not, and we went through that deeply. Then it's, oh yeah, so if God's so good and the Bible's true, then why is there all this evil and suffering in the world? So we dealt with that extensively in that as well. Then, the last couple of times we dealt with, well, wait a second. They start to attack Jesus. They've already attacked God's existence. They've already attacked the Bible, right? They want to attack God's character. Now they're going after his son, Jesus Christ. And what we saw is Jesus is not just the son of man. He is the son of God. Okay, and that's very important because we saw that Jesus needed to be fully man because only man can die. But at the same time, he needed to be fully God, okay, because God can't die and only God is outside the realm of sin. So we needed a sinless savior. If he was just man, if the virgin birth wasn't anything special, natural birth, he would be born with sin. He would have been a sinner like you and I, and we'd be doomed, okay? He has to be not just fully man, which means he isn't just a good moral teacher, like the world wants to relegate him to. He is the Son of God. He is God in the flesh. He has to be both at the same time. Now, we get into number 91, and that's the eighth one, is did Jesus really rise from the dead? All right, come on. Now you guys are getting a little wacky here, right? You mean to tell me that God's not just real, but he really sent his son, but he really, really did die, and he came back to life? Are you kidding me? That's the skepticism, and we're going to take a look at that tonight. Chapter 11 says this, Jesus said to Martha, I am the what? So it's obvious, according to the Bible, that Jesus uh, does not believe in a literal resurrection, a literal resurrection, and he had no plans of rising from the dead. So much so, he said, I, oh, by the way, I'm not only going to rise from the dead, and I'm not going to do it. We'll see that. Hopefully we get that far uh, myself. But guess what? Um, I am the resurrection. How do you get around this? Right? And then it, the hypocrisy is they want to say that Jesus was just not, you know, just this you know, a a good moral teacher. Well, what did this moral teacher say? He is the resurrection, right? And see, that's the problem. People say, well, I like Jesus' teaching over here when it says the golden rule, do unto others as you have them do unto you, right? So, right? And so, and but then when it comes to him saying, I'm the way, the truth, the life, nobody comes to the Father except by me, but I don't like that, right? And I like what, you know, the one, you know, if you haven't seen it, the, the picture, the icon, whatever, and it's a picture of the Bible, and it says, you know, this is not a bag of trail mix that you get to pick and choose, right? You don't just sit there, oh, I like the peanuts, or I like the raisins. Reed, you want the raisins? No, Reed doesn't want the raisins. See, he's picking and choosing. You can't do that, Reed. You've got to eat the whole bag. Don't buy it. If you... No, never mind. Uh, let's, uh, but, right? but that's what they do. So, so no, listen, if this moral teacher says one thing, he says over here, and you can't do that. And if you could do that with him, then what makes him such a great moral teacher, right? Or are you playing God? Right? But anyway, so this, he said, I am the resurrection, Jesus says. Do you believe this? And that's the issue. Do you believe it? You can respond on that one. 
Hey, thank you very much. All right, now let's continue on. It's not just Jesus, but the scripture is very replete. Jesus really did rise from the dead. Now, again, that's what we're doing because that's a skeptical question, right? Did he really rise from the dead? You kidding me, right? Let's take a look. In the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul said this, for what I received, I pass on to you as the first importance. Underline that, put a square around it, box it in, do some fireworks, getting ready for the fourth coming up, right? Do whatever you gotta do. Highlight that baby, do something, accent it. First importance, what does that tell you? It's kind of important. Give it up for the prophet Jim back there. I see him, buddy. Uh, first importance that Christ, what? Died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and he was what? Raised from the, uh, on the third day according to the scriptures. Then he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 other brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep or, in other words, have died. Uh, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So what do you get from this? According not only Jesus saying, hey, guess what? I am the resurrection. Do you believe this? You get it. You understand that. You want to be raised from the dead? Believe in me. But Paul clearly says this, three things about not just the resurrection, about Christianity and what the importance of the resurrection. It is of absolute first importance. This, just like the Son of God, is not a, quote, Christian doctrine that's just, well, maybe you can believe in it, maybe you're not. You know, is it, do you agree, disagree, strongly disagree, check one. It's no. You break down the issue, certainly not just Jesus being the Son of God. He has to. If he's just, if he's just man, he's got a sin nature, we're doomed. And it's the same thing. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're in a heap of trouble. Okay? Heap of trouble, because if you want to sound spiritual. And here's what he says in this passage. Christ died for our sins, and we usually get that. Jesus died on the cross. And that's great. He was buried, but he was what? He was raised. Now, the Bible also clearly says, emphatically, Jesus is not just the resurrection. Paul not only says that he uh, is raised, and that's very important to Christian uh, and Christianity and Christian doctrine, but... The Bible clearly says that Jesus was raised from the dead, right? This isn't something we're making up. This is like, well, you're one of those weird, conspiratorial, fundamental, evangelical, dangerous Christians. I mean, real Christians don't believe in the miracles of Jesus or his deep... Excuse me? That's called liberal Christianity, which is fake Christianity. We've talked about that before. There's people who have degrees in seminary. That doesn't save you. There's people who get up here with a very staunch-sounding voice. They accent their words with their hand gestures at the right time. That doesn't save you. They got stained glass windows. They got religious looking buildings. That doesn't save you. Liberal Christianity is basically Christianity name only. But it's gutted of all substance. They deny uh, the deity of Jesus Christ. They deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They deny the miracles of Jesus Christ. And it's just a bunch of baloney. It's just the Christian religion. Right? But it's not Christianity, right? So people say, well, you can be a Christian not believe in the resurrection of Jesus. Excuse me? Right? And this is what he says. After the Sabbath, Matthew 28, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and said, and, and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, don't be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He's what? He's risen. So who's con- you guys are just concocting this up. You're just trying to make us believe some crazy doctrine and dogmatic teaching. That's What's the scripture say? I'm not making this up. 
We're just being true to the Bible. Uh, he is risen, just as he said. He predicted it. Jesus did. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples he's risen from the dead, and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I told you. In other words, pay attention. Okay, I just told you. Now go do it. Okay? Now, the point is, all right, it's obvious if you're honest, and that's the issue, if you're honest and you read the Bible, the Bible and recording the words of Jesus and the apostles who were there when Jesus died and is claimed to be risen from the grave, which is what you want, because that's firsthand witnesses. They're right there at the scene, if you will, of the crime of him being murdered. And that's what you want when you determine the truth of an accident, what went on. So according to the scripture there, uh, it is clearly that with Jesus himself, the apostles who were right there, and the Bible clearly said that Jesus what? Rose again from the grave, right? So if you're honest, you have to admit that. But the skeptic always wants more proof, don't they? So how do you know? Well, believe it or not, if you can just... How many guys are very thankful? In fact, let's celebrate this. Let's do another Salah. How many guys are very thankful that you came in here today with a brain? Isn't, let's, let's just do it. Let's just get... Let's do a Salah. Right? It works good. Now, those of you who couldn't do that, maybe that's because... No, I won't go there. <laughs> But use your brain. Think, right? God says, come let us reason together. He didn't say, as a skeptic would say, as I used to say, as a skeptic. You know, you become a Christian, you check in your brain at the door. That's the first thing you do. No, use your brain. So we know scripturally, but listen, you don't want to listen to the scripture? Let's examine it with our brains. Let's look at it logically, philosophically, with integrity. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Now, to do that, we're going to do that in two chapters. And this is what we're going to do. Uh, was Jesus really raised? That's your first blank there. Was Jesus really raised from the dead? All right, we're going to take a look at that. And then we're going to take a look at these skeptical things. They want to kind of explain it away. Did something else, that's your blank there, something else happen to his body? Because we're going to see, once you get into the evidence, did he really rise from the dead? Absolutely. They, got, they, they, they go to another step and say, oh, no, that can't be true. So there's got to be some sort of theory as to why it can't be true. Top of page 92. All of Christianity stands or falls with the resurrection. How many guys just say it's a little bit important? Yes, it does. Now, here's the logical deduction we can make about the resurrection and its impact on Christianity. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, and this is what's crazy, is we go through this, believe it or not, believe it or not, there's a massive amount of, quote, liberal churches, fake Christianity across America. Did you realize that? And these churches actually, amongst other things that they deny, cardinal doctrines of Christianity, they deny the literal resurrection of Jesus. Did you know that roughly 30% of people who profess to be Christians in the United States deny the resurrection, the literal physical resurrection of Jesus Christ? Did you know another 30% of the professing Christians in America also say that Jesus not only did not resurrect from the dead, but he had sin? That's a double whammy. These are what is filling the churches. These are the people who are actually teaching this from the pulpit. Okay? And I'm sorry, not, these people are fake. It's, it's not Christianity. Okay? But this is what they're doing. So um, put yourself in that church. If you had to go to those church services, if you had to sit under that so-called leadership, if you had to listen and try to stomach that teaching, do you have any idea, logically, what you're saying about Christianity? Here it is. Number one, if you deny the resurrection of Jesus Christ, logically, a Christian's faith is useless and futile. 
Karl Marx must have had it right. It's just opiate for the masses, right? Just to keep you in line. Or, you know, it's just for those people, to those religions, to trick you and rip you off of your cash, right? It's to snooker you, to keep you into sheeple, is the latest term, sheeple. You want to be a sheeple, right? So, right? And they're just leading you into a bunch of slavery. Brainwashed, mindless goobers. And that. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, folks, our faith is futile, Right? Okay, number two, a Christian is a false witness and thus an enemy of God. Now, how many guys would say that of all things to do to God is call him a liar? So basically, when God says Jesus rose from the grave and Jesus, as God said, he rose from the grave and God's word said he rose again from the grave and you say, no, he In fact, by the way, turn to 1 Corinthians 15. Let's grab this, because I'm not making this up. This is a logical deduction, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. Let's grab the context and go back to the questions. This is the logical deductions of just believe it or not. This is not an option. As a Christian, you have to understand and believe the literal resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christianity makes no sense without it. Okay, let's take a look. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 14 through 19. Okay. When you get there, say, Salah. That's, uh, I like that. It's just very relaxing. I like it. Right? Salah. All right, verse 14 says this, And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is what? Useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God. For we testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him. Uh, if, in fact, the dead are not raised, For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. And you're what? You're still in your sins, right? Then those who have fallen asleep or died as Christians already in Christ, they're what? They're lost. They went straight to hell. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied uh, more than all men. In other words, if this is just liberal Christianity to you, if this is just a bunch of religious mumbo-jumbo and you're going to deny this, you're, what? What a pitiful existence. That is, because all you have is just this world. And is it any wonder that many churches, that they kind of live like that, as if this is all the world there is, right? And, and then they even give this kind of mentality to younger people. How many times have you heard younger people say this? Well, I don't want to become a Christian now, because I'll miss out on all the fun, <laughs> right? How many guys can verify? This is another sea law. We're full of sea laws. We've got the spirit of sea laws all over body. Scoot back so I can move on to something else, will you? How many guys would say that, let's see, mm, putting your head underneath a semi-truck tire that is moving would kind of hurt? Selah. Let's close in prayer. No, right? Sin, the scripture says, destroys. Sin destroys. And if you don't think there's any way out of sin, there's no reason for sin, that Jesus had sin and he never rose again from the grave, and it's no big deal, no big doctrine, who cares, you don't even believe it yourself, then what is the logical conclusion? Eat, drink, be merry, and die. Adults live that way, right? There's no seriousness in their walk with Jesus Christ. There's no thankfulness, there's no gratefulness. Because this is, it's fake. And then kids grow up in that environment, what do they think? No wonder they think, I don't want to do it because that's just a bunch of boring religious stuff that I guess you're supposed to do, but I don't want to do it now because I need to go sin because this is all a bunch of fake mumbo-jumbo and it has no real substance. Where are they getting that impression from? 
Okay? Let's move on. Every Christian, either alive or dead, is lost and still in their sins. Right? Everybody, if Jesus didn't raise, rise from the dead for the last 2,000 years, everybody who professed Christ as their Savior, according, if this wasn't true, it went straight to hell. What a pipe dream. Okay? Jesus' power was limited and his testimony alive. Right? So you said you could rise, uh, your, raise yourself again from the grave, but you apparently couldn't pull it off, or at least we're accusing you of not pulling off. Oh, and by the way, you said you were going to do this, but you didn't do it, so how can we trust you? If you read the Bible, right? goes on, we should not believe that any of the miracles of the Bible actually occurred. So if you can't pull this one off, which would have been a miracle, and it was, and he did, but if you're going to say it didn't happen, then why should we believe any of the other ones that are recorded for us? And that's what they do, don't they? They deny the miracles as well as the resurrection. Uh, and it says this, and everything in the New Testament and everything Jesus said should be held suspect and Christianity would be a false religion. Right? Because obviously you can't trust it. Jesus made claims. He couldn't pull it off. He made promises he couldn't keep. Right? So uh, it's a bunch of baloney. We might as well just, you know, flip through some beads and go through this religious thing and have some garbs on and robes and, and feel religious and do good deeds and and sit in some religious-looking facility and stand up, sit down, sing some religious songs, and go home. I just described a bunch of churches. Right? That's what's going on here. Now, here's the good news. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, and he did, then guess what? Jesus' power is unlimited. How many guys on your best day, you ain't even going to get yourself up from the dead? How many guys would say that when you're dead, you're dead? See <laughs> law. <laughs> and I'm going to say, when you're dead, I don't recommend you try this either. When you're dead, you ain't doing nothing. Right? You're not going to say, oh, man, okay, now's a really good time to make myself come alive again. <laughs> no, you're dead. Jesus did it. Jesus, as we're going to see, rose himself, i.e., being God, from the dead. Now, that's some serious power. Can anybody recognize? We can't even get out of bed. He rose from the dead, right? I mean, this is all, that'll preach. You can't make that preach, you get no preach in you, right? His power's unlimited, right? Man, he can bring himself back from the dead, and you can extrapolate, man, your problems, things are going wrong in life, and marriage, or finances, or whatever's life, and it seems like it's dead, it's over, there's no way, it's hopeless. Jesus can bring it back to life. When we become a new creature in Jesus, what is it? He brings us back from the dead, Right? Right? We were dead in our transgressions, our sins, but Jesus makes us new again. Everything Jesus said should be believed and followed, right? Because it isn't like he said, hey, I'll tell you what, guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to amaze you right now. What I'm going to be able to, what I'm going to do, I'm going to predict it for you, show how powerful I am. What I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to make a sandwich. See? I'm going to make a really big sandwich for all of us to eat, and I'm going to put these really big giant pickles on it. And then you're going to know how powerful I am. That was a weird sea law, wasn't it, Bobby? Okay, no, no, it wasn't something like that, something basic, something like anybody could do. I mean, come on, if you pick something to demonstrate how powerful you are, it's this. I'm going to raise myself from the dead, right? And that's what he says. And so if he said he could do that, and then he did that, then think of every single thing that he's promised for you and I. You could take it to the bank. Isn't that awesome? Because he rose from the grave. It wasn't something little. This is like the ultimate, if you will, test of power and honest and integrity and good news for you and I. Everything he said, we could take to the bank. That's why he says, don't worry about your life. You just seek first my kingdom, my righteousness, and I'll take care of you. 
I don't know, Jesus, I, my situation is too big for you. Excuse me, do I need to remind you, I rose myself from the dead. You doubt I can take care of you. Don't be anxious about your life. Whatever you, uh, in your life, just pray and ask God and enjoy his peace. But Jesus, you don't understand my problems. I'm sorry. <laughs> Excuse me? Uh, in case you forgot, I rose again from the grave. I was dead, real dead, dead, dead. And I did it. What are you anxious about? All things, God, Jesus, works together for good for those who love him. Do you love him? What are you worried about? Didn't say it was going to be easy. But if you trust him, he has the power to turn this thing, whatever the thing is, and how many things you go through in life, good, bad, or ugly, into something fantastic. Isn't that awesome? This is before we even get to heaven. What an amazing problem. But again, it hinges on the resurrection. Because if he didn't rise from the dead, hey, it's all done. I can't trust you for nothing. But he did rise again from the grave. Very, very important. Christians can be sure that their sins are forgiven and they'll be raised from the dead to be with God in heaven. How many guys are glad that you no longer have to be afraid of dying? And that's what the scripture says, that he set free those who were held captive by the fear of death. You don't have to be afraid anymore. How many guys are glad that because Jesus rose again from the grave, we're not only going to rise again from the grave, but our last breath here is going to be our first breath in heaven. Not Walmart. (laughs) That could be used for analogy for other distances. We won't talk about, but uh, anyway. uh, No, what? Isn't that something? But again, if Jesus didn't rise, hey, Maybe he will, maybe he won't. But he did. So we can go, we could literally go with confidence knowing. I'm going, I, man, I just, uh, lady, lady uh, had the privilege of knowing in Northern California. I told you about Ann Delagana, had the flesh-eating disease. Remember that one? And her last day and a half was, can't you hear the angels? Don't you hear the music? She was in a supernatural existence, man. The last day and a half, as her body was literally being eaten alive. You'd think, oh, pain, horrible. Ah. No, God had her in a whole different state of mind. It was almost like he was opening heaven's gates before she even got there. Another lady that I knew, and uh, literally, absolutely wild, literally died with a smile on her face, and that smile stayed on her face even as they put her on the gurney and was wheeling her to the ambulance to take her body away. She was just smiling. These are people I know. I pastored. This is real. The resurrection is important, folks. Just as we saw in the last two weeks, the Son of God, no, 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 this isn't just some, oh, something I've got to check off on the list to make sure I'm a member. <laughs> no, it's more important than that. And the same thing with the resurrection. Right? And finally, all other religions have to be false religions. Right? And I want to give us a little breakdown of that. Right? Because name a religion where their leader resurrected from the grave. Name a religion whose leader died on the cross for you. As we've seen before, and Lord willing, our next study on world religions, cults, and the occult, Lord willing, okay, we're going to get into that. You know, a lot of people say, oh, all religions are basically teaching the same thing. Excuse me, what Bible are you reading? And what you basically said, you know nothing about Christianity, and you know nothing about world religions, because that's not true. Right? Did Buddha rise from the grave? How about Confucius? How about Muhammad? No, Jesus did. Right? Jesus did. Right? Did Buddha die on the cross? Confucius? Muhammad? Any of those guys? No. 
All other religions basically say you are God, you can become God, or you've got to somehow work your way to God. Only the Christianity, only the Scripture teaches, no, there is no way out, you're doomed, you're cut off from God, you're headed straight to hell, but God loves you enough to do the work in your place and send His Son to live the perfect life, to die on the cross, take the death penalty for your sins, and all you've got to do is receive it. You can't work for it. It's a gift. No religion on the planet teaches that. And it hinges around the resurrection. Okay, all other religions have to be, by nature, false. Okay, if the resurrection is true, and of course, they are false. But let's continue on. We as Christians are betting our what? Our eternal destiny. Is your blank there. How many guys would say that's kind of a long-term consequences? The key word to give it away there is eternal. Selah. Okay, eternal destiny on the fact, this is a big issue, that the tomb was empty, right? During his life, Jesus said many times to many people that he would be crucified and then resurrected from the dead. Okay, you can look these sources up, how many different times he claimed that he would, in fact, be raised from the dead. And again, the scripture rule is when God repeats anything, he's really getting your attention. I mean, all of God's word's important, but if he goes through the, the hassle, if you will, uh, for our benefit, to repeat something, it's basically saying, hey, listen, this is important. Everything I tell you is obviously important because this is from God. But you really, 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 really need to get this. Right? As we saw before, it, the Bible says that God is love. The Bible says that God is just. But the Bible only says this about God's character. He is holy, he is holy, he is holy. That's the only character of God that's repeated three times. I'd say that's for emphasis. And so Jesus emphatically, over and over again, says, listen, I know it. I'm God. I know the beginning from the end. We saw that last time, if you recall. Right? I know what's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. Three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. He didn't just say it once. He didn't say it twice. Look at how many different times. Uh, how many different times here in Matthew? How many different times in Mark? How many different times in Luke and John? All the Gospels and whole chapters dedicated to it. Again, over and over and over again. And so if Jesus said it a multitude of times, how many guys would say that he really wants us to get this? And therefore, just like other biblical interpretation rules, it's very important. That's even more than saying God is holy, holy, holy three times. Right? Wilbur Smith says this, when Jesus said that he would rise again from the dead, the third day after he was crucified, he said something that only a fool would dare to say, if he expected uh, longer the devotion of any disciples. Right? He could have picked something easy, right? If he knew he was lying and he was uh, fooling these guys, right? And if he wanted to stick around, then he better come up with something like, hey, I'm going to make that sandwich with pickles. You can trust. See, I pulled it off. Yay! Right? Pick. But what did he pick? Oh, by the way, they're going to kill me. I'm going to die. I'll raise myself from the grave. <laughs> I mean, that's out of the box. And that's what he says. Unless, of course, he would never say something like that if he expected his disciples to be devoted to him. Unless he could pull it off, right? And that's what he says. He was sure that he was going to rise. No founder of any world religion known to men ever dared say such a thing like that, right? right? C.S. Lewis wrote this in the book Miracles. said, Jesus is the first fruits, the pioneer of life. He has forced open a door that has been locked since the death of the first man. He has met, fought, and beaten the king of death. Everything is different because he has done so. This is the beginning of the new creation and a new chapter in cosmic history has opened. Can somebody say amen? Triple C la. Okay. Now, here's the issue. All right there. Holly, you want to play the skeptic? No, Pastor, really? Oh, okay. okay. You, sure, okay, you said so. Okay. But the skeptic would say, all righty, that sounds nifty. 
But how can we know with certainty, and that's your blank there, how can we know with certainty that this is true? Uh, Hello, as if what we've seen isn't enough proof, but let's play that little game, shall we? And let's take a look at some of that proof that we know that Jesus really did rise from the dead. Now, I'm going to share with you some, and then hopefully we'll get over here to this map, and then we'll cut it for tonight and pick up Lord one next week. Now, first proof we know that Jesus really did rise from the dead. If you look at it logically, not just because, the, yeah, well, it's circular reasoning, Christian. You know, the Bible says so, so you believe it, but there's no proof. Whoa, whoa. No, bring in your brain. Let's look at this logically, right? And the first way we know, okay, is what I call the female proof, okay? The female proof. Okay, uh, back in the day, uh, you would think if this resurrection story was just a bunch of baloney and these guys made it up, uh, then believe it or not, the last thing you would ever want to do is to record that your major mega witnesses and certainly uh, first witnesses were women. And that's because we don't usually realize this, but the women back in that day uh, were basically considered second class citizens. In fact, their witnesses, their testimony wasn't even allowed in court. So yet the Bible says and records for us that the women, uh, holy women, uh, witnessed this, Jesus' resurrection, uh, first appeared to Mary Magdalene, right? And this is in John 20, early the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look in the tomb, saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she said, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they put him. And at this, she turned around, she saw Jesus standing here. Now put this together. Given the cultural mandate towards women at the time, okay, if the account of the resurrection were a hoax, you would never, if you're making this up, this is the last thing you never do. This would ruin your plan, your fakery right out of the gate. You would never use women, okay? Let alone, who's mentioned here? Mary Magdalene. Who was a demon-possessed woman? Two strikes. Double negative sea law. You know, it says she's not just a woman, but she's a woman who was demon-possessed. This is insane. If you were making this up, this would be the dumbest thing you'd ever do if it was a hoax, okay? You would have logically used a male witness, somebody like a Joseph of Arimathea, who was well-respected in the community, somebody you could trust, right? But no, they recorded the women. Why? Because that's exactly how it happened. And so the male authors, who were inspired of the Holy Spirit, under God's supervision, said, no, you're going to write this down, right? Because it really did happen. So if that was a hoax, there's no way, and they're going to fake it, they would ever use a woman. There's no way. The second one, if you think about it, is not just the female issue, is the location issue, okay? is what I call it, the location issue. If the resurrection were a hoax, the last thing you would do was go right back in the same city where Jesus had been killed and start this story. And, and think about that, because if the body was, if it was fake, if he didn't really rise from the dead, and the body was still in the tomb, then anybody in the same city that he just got murdered in would go right out to the tomb, right over there, go look at it and say, ha, 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 you're a liar. You would think if the body was still in the tomb and he really didn't rise from the dead, then they would start this story in a place that could not be verified. Hey, just want to let you know, yes, Jesus is alive. He's over in Athens. Yeah, I know, I know you can just take our word for it. He's over there. He's appearing there. I don't know what he's doing right now, you know, but I'm sure something good, right? No, hey, no, he appeared in Rome. Now, I know the likelihood of you guys ever going there and checking that out. It's probably next to nil, but hey, he's over there. You would think that if this were a hoax, the last thing you would do is pick the exact same location that they just killed him 
just outside of town, so to speak, or whatever, or just over there, that you could go, anybody in that whole town, Jerusalem, could go and say, you guys are a bunch of wackos. Why would they choose the same location if, in fact, then, there was nobody? And it was their way of saying, listen, hey, check it out. Go out there. Go see. There's nothing there. Go check it out. They weren't afraid, right? Because the body wasn't there. The third proof, if you will, is what I call the silence proof. Okay, the silence proof. Okay, uh, how many guys can deduce from the scripture that the Jewish leaders at that time were a little bit hostile towards Jesus? Right, just a little bit. Okay, and so you would think that if Jesus' body was still in the tomb, this would have been their ultimate opportunity to destroy Christianity uh, right in the cradle, right? All they had to do was produce the body, bring it in town, do a big parade, and tell everybody these guys are a bunch of wackos, don't listen to them. In fact, they're next on the chopping block. But they didn't. There was silence. In fact, when Peter challenged them, they didn't say squat because there was no body. Acts chapter 2, uh, 22 through 24. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited to you, accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which did, God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Why? Because he's not just the son of man, he's the son of God, he's without sin. Okay? But again, here's your opportunity. This is it. You could have stopped Christianity dead in its tracks right here. Okay? Why didn't the Jewish people, when Peter is making this claim at the birth of the church, Acts chapter 2, why didn't they say, hey, listen, knock it off. You're a bunch of baloney. We, we, the, Al over here went and got the body. Okay? And it's right here for everybody to see. Not, why didn't they say anything? Why didn't they rebuke him? Why didn't they, because there was no body. In fact, we know there was no body, also logically, because the only, they not only couldn't say anything, the only thing they could come up with was not a body, was a lie. They came up with a lie to cover the fact that there was no body. And that's in Matthew 28. While the uh, women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that happened, i.e., the body's gone. Well, when the chief priests had met the elders and devised the plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say this. His, uh, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while uh, we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we'll satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, okay? Uh, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews. So again, not only when you were challenged, okay, in the same city, you guys who hated his guts and ordered for him to be executed and were responsible for this, uh, you not only did not say anything, but the only thing you could come up with is still not a body, but was a lie. If Jesus didn't rise from the grave, then why'd you do that? Why didn't you just go over there, get the body, and squelch this thing? Unless, of course, it wasn't there. Let's take a look at the top of the next page. This is kind of a cool thing. Again, just looking at it logically, if you're honest. A simple starting point, historical cause and effect, is the top of page 93. Let's pretend you live in the year 5000, okay? You're a historian and an archaeologist, and you're trying to find out what happened historically during the 20th century. Now, during one of your archaeological digs, you find this map below, right? How many guys do not have a workbook? Ryan, would you like to lead the phrase to everyone? Use your... 
Imagination, there you go, you got it, all right. So you, we're looking at a map here, all right, or you could share it with somebody. But you look at this map, so you take a look at this map, and what do you discover about this map? Well, it says Hitler's empire, uh, it's shaded different areas and stuff. There's a, little, there's a little key down here, and it tells you 1941 to 1942, there's some line, looks like apparently some territory uh, that was Hitler's empire that it delineates. Uh, there's neutral nations around it and stuff, so you can deduce quite a bit from what you just discovered, right, about this area. Now... Aha! Now, I'll tell you what's an aha moment. Did you guys know that word there, aha, spelled backwards is aha? Uh-huh. That's a quadruple C law. Let's move on. Uh, now, you know that in the early 1940s, here's what you can deduce with this map, right? And being honest, this is me. Oh, you're, you're a brainwashed goober, or you've been, you know, you just, you're intellectually inept, or you're being biased. You're one of those religious whack. No, listen, I'm just, I found a map. And here's what anybody who's being honest can deduce. You know that in the early 1940s, someone named Hitler was either a king or some sort of other ruler and apparently ruled most of Europe. Can you logically deduce that without being biased or hypocritical or whatever? Yeah. In fact, based on this map, you could deduce that by 1943, Hitler had conquered more of Europe than any other previous ruler before him not even the french empire napoleon or the roman empire of the caesars was equal to this man's empire top of the next page then later as you continue your digs you find a map that dates 1948 Uh uh-oh so now you got something that's five years later okay this map though in 1948 has no mention of a hitler and it shows that germany has been split into two parts from this map, you learn that in 1948, West Germany was aided by Britain, the United States, and France, and East Germany was under Soviet control. So from the information of these two maps, here you have the logical following facts. Underline that, facts. This isn't just, well, you, you just got to accept it by blind faith. What he said about this deduction. No, it's just logical deduction, right? Number one, Germany apparently dominated Europe up until around 1943 right? Then at some point, there's a gap based on your information because next thing you know, you got a piece of information from 1948. So you got a five-year gap. And after that five-year gap, apparently something changed. Germany is defeated and is a split nation, right? So based on this information that you've discovered, a logical historian, you would assume that something happened in this gap, right? Right? Something, something big, something radical, something literally changed uh, that whole nation. So now, let's carry the same logic over at the beginning of Christianity. Consider the historical information, starting with about A.D. 33. On the left there, Friday, Passover time, A.D. 33. At this time, historically, we know that there, were, there was no Christian church. That wasn't happened until Acts chapter 2. No Christian church exists. Jesus, at that time, uh, hung dead on a cross. Peter, at that time, uh, denies ever even knowing Jesus. He's a chicken liver. Jesus' followers desert him. They're chicken livers too. Okay? Judas betrayed him and then went off and hung himself. Women followers are crying and mourning. They think it's over. Jesus' brothers, his own family, the scripture says, don't even believe him. In fact, one time, if you recall, in the Gospels, they said, Hey, dude, come on home. You're embarrassing us. You know, you're kind of acting like a wacko. Right? Vernacular. That's what they were saying. His own family. But here's a little gap. Not five years. Here's a gap of 50 days. 50 days later, something radically happened. Right? Pentecost, AD 33, 50 days later, the Christian church is born and there's 3,000 members. 
Peter boldly preaches that Jesus is alive. Before, they were chicken livers, right? Saul, an enemy of Christ, converts. He said he saw Jesus. Jesus' brothers, brother James, he becomes the leader of the Jerusalem church. Before, they thought he was wacky. Come on home, pal. We're going to put you in the backyard and hide you out from the rest of the family, right? Uh, all the apostles but John and others are martyred because they preach that Jesus is alive. And we saw that before. They died these horrible, absolutely horrible deaths. They were dragged through the streets alive. They were skinned alive. They were beheaded. They were crucified, shot to death by arrows, hanged. If you knew you were making something up, right? Like Bobby, trying to say, hey, he put this rumor going through the church. Pastor Billy ate a piece of chicken, right? And unfortunately, some people started to believe it. But after I dragged Bobby through the streets behind my car, (laughs) after I ran him through with the lance in love and laid hands on him in a non-Christian way, at some point, whether it's the lance Plane of hands, dragging through the car. What's the logical thing you would think that Bobby would do at some time? I lied. I'm just kidding. I'll never do it again. Stop! Ouch. These guys died horrible deaths. And if they're just making this up, and they know that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, and they hid the body, we'll see that Lord one next time. Excuse me, at least one of them would have cracked. But none of them did. This is 50 days after, not five-year gap, 50-day gap. And then by AD 150, Christianity spreads over the Roman world. AD 330, Roman Empire supports Christianity. AD 450, Rome falls and Europe is Christianized. I don't really like that word. I'll use this word, uh, Catholicized. Because that's when the Roman Catholic Church took over, which is not biblical Christianity. Okay, but you can see in that, it says here, I think it's safe to say that something radical, something monumental, something profound happened in history between Jesus' crucifixion and the day of Pentecost. Can we agree? And this is not a five-year gap. This is only 50 days. Something radically happened. So what happened? What caused a, here's your blank here, history-changing religion? What caused a history-changing religion to literally pop out of nowhere? What caused these guys to go from chicken livers to literally be willing to be beaten, skinned alive, dragged to death? What caused it to go from people who were mourning and crying to all of a sudden you got people being saved right and left? What's the difference? Jesus rose from the grave. He did what he said he was going to do. It's the only way to explain this. That's the only way. This could not have happened. It could not have continued to happen in early church history, let alone today, logically, if Jesus didn't rise from the grave. Okay? One guy says this, If the coming into existence of the church, a phenomenon undeniably attested by the New Testament, rips a great hole in history, a hole the size and shape of the resurrection, what does the secular historian propose to stop it up with? There's nothing. You can't. If you're being honest. And see, that's the hypocrisy. We're being touted as being dishonest, closed-minded, narrow-minded, bigoted, intolerant. And we're just looking at the facts. These points that we're bringing up outside the Scripture is just logical deductions, whether it be logical deductions of the Scripture or logical deductions of logic using history and examples of that nature. How is that being hypocritical? Rather, I think you got the problem, with all due respect, because anybody who's being honest, 
you have to come to the same conclusion. And that's what we saw before is another amazing proof is when many people, how many times we've shared stories in the past, like Simon Greenleaf and others, who have gone in to disprove the resurrection, but because they were honest with the facts, they come out not just being saved, because you can't deny it. But then they become a great proponent of the resurrection and Christianity. Why? Because there's so much evidence for it. Okay? Lord willing, next week we're going to start to get into those skeptical questions. Okay? And they'll say, oh yeah, well that makes a lot of sense, so obviously something happened to the body, uh, but maybe they stole it or lost it. Or put it in the wrong spot. And you know how easy that is to happen with like a pair of socks or something. Yeah, we'll get to that little one uh, next week. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death. In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God out of love gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, "...you shall not bear false witness." That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief, Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy, even His name is holy. Hey folks, let's be honest, if you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard, uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But, folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. 
to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior, if we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judge has said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and uh, for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you can be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is the Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.